Well, good morning, Waypoint. It's really an honor to be here as always. I think this is my fourth time now. I think once I spoke at a men's uh, meeting and then three Sundays. So thank you, Jim, uh, and the team for the invitation. It's a real honor. And believing that, you know, God wants to encourage you and inspire you today. Well, I wanted to um, share a passage of scripture. I believe you're going through this Advent series and I've been given the task to talk to you um, about peace. How many of you think that we need some peace in the world right now? I mean, you know, you look at the news, you look at what's going on and there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety that's swirling around right now. And it's very easy to to be sucked into that. It's very easy to lean into that and to start feeling a little bit anxious yourself. But I really want to encourage you today to know that first of all, God is the Prince of Peace. This is one of the names that is given to, to Jesus, to, given to God in the scriptures. It's like God has many different names that, that we have revealed in the scripture. And it's like a multifaceted diamond that as the light shines on it, it reflects his beauty in many different ways. So my prayer today is that each and every one of us, that we will have a greater revelation of the Prince of Peace, of who he is, but also that we will experience his peace as well. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture, which we're going to drill into. And this is in Mark chapter 4, and we're going to go from verse 35 uh, to 41. I'm using the New International Version. And it says this, and, and this is after Jesus has been having a, uh, a time teaching. He's been sharing lots of parables. It's now getting late in the day, uh, and it comes to evening. So let's go from verse 35. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now turn to your neighbor and say, let's go over to the other side. I do like to encourage congregations to participate and and, and be part of it. One, it helps uh, make sure that you're not asleep, um, but also it helps, it will elevate your engagement and your learning as well. Let us go over to the other side. I just want to stop there for a moment and, and say, we are in a transitional season. How many of you know that? We're in a major time of crossing over, and here we see Jesus saying, let us go over to the other side. Verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall, or that's another way of saying a storm, came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, Don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So here we see, we see this picture of 
the world that we're in right now. There's a storm going on. And there's a lot of anxiety and fear and worry that's going on, thinking about, you know, the Ukraine war that's going on, thinking about the economy, thinking about the government, thinking about our families, thinking about the challenges. Life is full of challenges. And so here we see a powerful picture of the world right now. But we see two very different responses to what's going on in the circumstances. First of all, we see the disciples, and they're freaking out, they're worried, they're terrified, they're thinking we're going to die, so they go and wake Jesus up. But we see that contrast, one of extreme fear and the other of complete peace. We see Jesus, and there he is in the back of the boat, he's got a nice cushion, and he's asleep. He's sleeping like a baby. The same waves that terrified the disciples were rocking Jesus to sleep like a baby in the arms of his mother. And so why is it that there's this difference? What, what is the difference? How come one, you know, you're going through exactly the same experience. One is extreme fear and one is extreme peace. What is the difference? And I believe that God wants to teach us to be people that when these storms arise in our lives, that that we're not freaking out like the disciples, but God wants us to be in a place where we can be at complete peace. Because when we manifest peace, it's a powerful witness to the world around us. And that's not to say that we won't have times that we will think fearful thoughts. It's not to say we won't have times that are a little bit scary. But it's up to us to choose whether we dwell on those thoughts, those feelings, whether we allow ourselves to partner with fear. And I want to say this, God wants you to walk in peace. He doesn't want you to partner with fear. I think about the Psalm 23, I think about David and, and he's sharing about his experience. Of course, he went through a lot of hardships. He had a lot of storm. He lost a lot of loved ones. He was a man of war. He'd been in many battles. He, even his own son, you know, Absalom came after him. His, his boss, so to speak, Saul also came after him. But he said this, he said, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I want to just hone in on that word will. In other words, what he was doing, what he was saying is, I'm choosing not to partner with fear. And we have a choice. Not say I'm sure he was at times feeling fearful, but in that statement, in that Psalm 23, he's making a very powerful declaration. He's saying, I am not going to partner with fear. Even though I'm going through a dark time, even though it looks really bleak at the moment, I will fear no evil. And that's a great declaration that we can pray, that we can declare when we're going through those dark seasons, when we're going through those difficult times, we can declare, I will fear no evil. So how is it? that in this, in this account, that there are two very, very different responses. Well, Jesus was living from 
the inside out and the disciples were living from the outside in. Let me explain what I mean by that. When we're carnally driven or we're driven by our our flesh, the the external, the physical, the things that we can see, it's very easy for us to to quickly freak out, to become very, very worried and and distressed. And that's exactly what the disciples were doing. I mean, it was dark. We know it was evening. There was a storm that was arising. There were waves. There was wind. So they were, based on what they could see in the natural, they were allowing that to infect what was going on in their internal they become fearful they become worried Jesus on the other hand he knew he said hey we're crossing over to the other side we're gonna cross over we're gonna move forward so he knew who he was he knew that he was secure in his father's arms he he knew that there was more stuff to be achieved on the other side there was more mission to be fulfilled And I want to encourage you, for those of you who may be feeling a little bit fearful, feeling a little bit anxious, those of you that are maybe saying, yeah, I'm in a storm right now, I want to encourage you to know that Jesus is with you in the midst of the storm. He is with you. The Prince of Peace. He doesn't want you just to experience his peace, but he wants you to know that he is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Now, if you read on in that story, you will see that actually they do get to the other side. And on the other side, they actually encounter a guy who is demonized. He's he's going through his own storm. But it's a different kind of storm. It's not a a physical storm, but it's a, a storm that's going on in his head. He's tormented, he's troubled, he's anxious, he's cutting himself. He's in a real lot of pain. And I want to say this, sometimes God allows us to go through some storms because on the other side of that storm, there's other people that God wants us to reach. Sometimes some of our lowest moments where we think like, how can God use this? But it's amazing how God can use your troubles, your difficulties to inspire hope in other people. I remember when I was uh, a lot younger in, in uh, pastoral ministry that uh, if, if someone was talking to me around maybe struggling with, I don't know, anxiety or depression, I remember sort of being very much like, oh, come on, pull yourself together, you know, be positive, you know, uh, you, you don't need to, you know, bow to this. And, and I was very cold, being honest with you, in, in my kind of youthfulness. That was until I went through a season where I actually went through some depression myself. And suddenly that changed everything because then when people were sharing about that they were struggling with depression, anxiety, suddenly, you know, there was a heart connection of, do you know what, I know how that feels. Now every person is unique, we can't know exactly how someone feels, but we can relate. And I'm actually really grateful for that season that I went through of depression. 
Because actually it helped me become more compassionate, helped me to be able to relate people. So then when I'm talking with people who are maybe struggling in that area, I'm not just quoting from textbook. It's like there's experience. And I want to encourage each and every one of you that, that even some of the bad stuff that you've been through, it's not to say that that was from God, but God can use it. He can bring beauty out of the ashes. We're going to look at uh, some ways that we can live in peace in a, wor- in a worried world. So let's have a look at another passage of scripture. We're going to look at Philippians 4. Uh, and we're going to go from verse 4 to 9. This is the Apostle Paul speaking and he says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So here we get some amazing advice from the Apostle Paul. And I just want to say about the context here. You know, you might be thinking, oh, that's okay for Paul. You know, he was an ultra gifted, strong character. He didn't have to go through COVID. Paul is not writing this advice on, you know, from a beach in Hawaii. He's not writing it when everything in his circumstances looked amazing. You know, Paul was actually writing this from prison. It it, it was from a difficult circumstance. So again, here this guy, he's got a revelation of what it means to live from the inside out, where you're not allowing what you hear on the news, what's going on externally, you're not allowing that stuff to seep into your heart and rob you of the promises of God. But you're knowing, hey, I know God's with me. And I know this might be a tough season that I'm in, but I know that I'm going to cross over to the other side. I know that there's other people on the side of this storm that I'm going through that God wants me to reach. So let's look at some keys for how we can walk in peace using this passage of scripture. The first thing it says, rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, be be cheerful. And sometimes, you know, we don't always feel cheerful. You know, confession as a pastor, I don't always feel like going to church. Can anyone else relate to that at times? 
But hey, you know, being a follower of Christ is an element of sacrifice. It's about a disciple is a disciplined follower. And sometimes we have to do things, you know, that we might not always feel like doing. But that's where we bring that sacrifice of praise. We say, God, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to do this because I love you. So rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say just rejoice when everything's going well. But whatever's going on in life, rejoice, be cheerful, celebrate God. Then it goes on to say, remember the Lord is near. Remember the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I wonder if you've ever had this experience. I had this recently. I was out driving uh, in the car and... uh, was coming up to a red, it was just, you know, about to turn red. And I had that moment where I was like, now should I go for it, put my foot down, or do I hold back? Anyone had that temptation? You're like, and thankfully I was really good. I was led by the Spirit and I, you know, was patient and I held back and I stopped at the lights and was a good boy. Now, as I looked over to my right-hand side, waiting uh, just uh, across from me was a police car. Have you ever been out driving and then seen a police car and suddenly the way that you drive changes? Anyone had that experience? Like suddenly you look, how fast am I going? You're like ultra-like you know, careful to be driving really, really well. And, and so when you know that, that certain people are nearby, it, it influences your behavior. It, it, it impacts the way that you think, that you feel. It maybe triggers some things inside. Well, here in this passage of scripture, it says that the Lord is near. And so when we have that revelation of knowing that Jesus is in the boat with us, he is near, that should impact the way that we think and that we feel that there's maybe certain things that, that we you know, might be tempted to do that we say, no, I'm not going to do that because I know that the Lord is near. I had another incident where uh, we'd invited some friends over to, uh, to, to play with our, our children. Uh, they've got children and uh, they've got this really young little boy and uh, I saw him playing with little River who is 10 months old, she's here today and uh, I was just watching to see how they were interacting and you know how children can be, sometimes they can be a little bit spiteful at times can't they and I saw this little boy with my River and he was just about to go and shove her over but he looked up first, before he did it, he looked up first and he saw my eyes. He saw that I was near and therefore, he was a good boy, he didn't push her over. Again, we see that, that when certain people are nearby, it influences our behavior. But we should be people that we know that, that whatever we do in life, wherever we go, we know that the Lord is near. One of the other names for God is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. He's always there. 
And therefore, when we have a greater revelation of that, yes, it should give us a greater sense of peace, a greater sense of confidence, but also a greater sense of awe and reverence and respect that there's certain things that we're not going to do because we know that the Lord is near. Then it goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. So here we see quite a directive command. Like, now, like I've said, we will all experience fear at times. None of us are immune from, no matter how strong in your faith you are, no one is immune from fear. But here the Apostle Paul is being quite strong and he's saying, don't be anxious about anything. Anything means anything. And here he's saying, like David, he's saying, don't partner with fear. Don't allow yourself to be sucked into that and for it to take over because ultimately fear wants to stop you from fulfilling the vision and the dream that God has for your life. Fear wants to stop you from walking in the fullness of all that God has for you, all that he's called and created you to do and all that he's called and created you to be. He says, do not be anxious about anything so we're partnering with faith we're choosing to partner with jesus we're looking to the prince of of peace and then it says you know pray about every situation you know what do you do when you face a situation what's your first response do you pick up the telephone and ring a friend and and tell them about your woes or, or maybe you might be someone who you jump on Google. You say, Google, what do I do? And you start typing in. Now, it's not to say that those things can't be helpful. Sometimes you can find some really good stuff. But really, our first response should be to take it to the most wise person of all, the all-knowing one, God Almighty. We come to him in prayer and we, we bring these things. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, we're bringing our requests to God. We're bringing our challenges. We're bringing our struggles to him. Pray about every situation. Bring your challenges to the Lord. And then it says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving present your request to God so we don't just want to give God a shopping list it's not about coming to God and saying right these are all the things I want you to do for me we're not getting into a vending machine approach to 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 serving God where actually where we're saying God you are here to serve me but it also says about thanksgiving and I want to say this gratitude is so powerful One of the best ways that you can start your day before you go on social media, before you turn on the news, before you do anything else, engage in any conversations, I want to encourage you to practice gratitude. One simple change that you can make that will radically transform your life. You start your day and you start it with thanking God for who he is, thanking God for all the many blessings that you have in your life. 
You know, I was sat with, uh, with my brother in uh, Starbucks yesterday and we were just sharing about some, some challenges. He, he was sharing about some challenges that he was going through. And I was just saying, hey, but do you know what? When you look around, it's just a reminder of how blessed we are here in the West that we are not at war. We're not, you know, some people have, you know, there's, there's people who've lost all of their family who've been killed in war. And are facing extreme poverty and hardship. And so sometimes it's helpful when we look around that it's just a reminder of, hey, do you know what? The things that we complain about are nothing compared to, to what many people um, are going through um, in the world around. So I want to encourage you, practice gratitude. Some of you might find that a little bit difficult to begin with. But as you begin to, to think and be more intentional about the things that you can be grateful for, you will start to find that it's going to impact how you feel. That suddenly you're not going to feel so down, you're not going to feel as anxious, but you're going to feel grateful going into today. It's a great way to, to get an early victory on your day and to cause you to walk in a place of peace then we shift on to verse 8 and it talks about you know whatever things are true and noble and right and pure and lovely admirable excellent praiseworthy it's saying think about such things now i like to call this the philippians 4 focus filter if you are thinking about things you can use this as a checklist And if what you're thinking and dwelling and meditating on does not align with one of these key words, don't think about it. Okay? How many of you know thoughts are really powerful? Thoughts are like putting seeds in your garden. And if you sow and cultivate negative seeds, don't be surprised when there's lots of weeds and thorns and thistles that are growing up. Okay? But when we start to seed it with good things pure things, noble things, praiseworthy things, those things will begin to blossom in the garden of our life. So this is about filtering our thoughts. Now, you're not going to be able to stop every bad thought, okay? We're human. We will have times of negativity, of doubt, of fear, okay? You cannot stop birds flying over your head, but you can stop them nesting there. And this is about where we, we you know, bring every thought into captivity to Christ. And we say, no, I'm not going to dwell on that. And then finally here it says about us practicing. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. God wants us to be people that we don't just hear the word, but he wants us to be people that do the word. He wants us to be practitioners that we're applying the scriptures, that we're using these keys. And we've looked at some some very simple keys that we can use to unlock a greater manifestation of peace in our lives. But it's up to us. Whether we choose to apply these things or not. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, obey the instructions of the Lord. Be doers of the word. 
Now, these are some good points here about how we can walk in peace. But I want to say this. All of these points must start with the most important point of all. And that is about inviting the Prince of Peace into our lives. And I want to encourage you that if you are here today and you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you've never given your life to the Prince of Peace, it's the best decision that you can ever make. It's not just about making a a decision and praying a prayer and that's it. It's not just about, you know, uh, I want pie in the sky when I die. But it's about making a commitment to say, God, I'm giving my life to you. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. So as we start in that place, what we're doing is we're inviting God's presence to be with us, to dwell with us for all of eternity. And I want to give an opportunity that if maybe there's one person that might be here, maybe there's several people that might be here, maybe there's some people that are watching online. And I want to give you that opportunity that if you want to receive Christ into your life, you want to give your life to Christ, the Prince of Peace. I just want to encourage you just in this moment just to bow your head as we just respond right now to the Prince of Peace. And if you want to respond and make that commitment today, I just want to encourage you just to repeat these words in your heart after me. Lord God, thank you for your amazing love for me. Thank you that you are the Prince of Peace who can calm every storm. Today, I choose to put my faith and trust in you. Please forgive me of all the wrong stuff that I've done in my life. Help me to grow in relationship with you and to fulfill every plan and purpose that you have for my life. God, I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.